and to this day, you know, talking about giving hope, when I'm in my better, I mean, it, it's still hard. I'm not suggesting that, oh, I'm suddenly happy. I mean, it's something you learn to carry. You don't get over losing your child. You learn to carry it. You learn to have a different kind of relationship with them. Again, I believe in the afterlife. So just like I knew, you know, Cassie was 25, had just turned 25. And at that time, she was no longer, you know, the baby that was in the bassinet, you know, and I knew that was no longer Taz. She was no longer that first grader with that cute little, you know, flowery dress that I sent her off first grade in. She was no longer a teenager. She was, you know, a thriving, beautiful adult. Well, now she's no longer that. She is a spirit. Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. Joining me as always, my co-host in life, my partner in crime, if we ever committed a crime. Her (laughs) name is, my beautiful wife, her name is... Just Jen. And you're along with us as we keep this hope train moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo! That was a good one. Yeah. I like that. I I'm like getting how better you, at my trains. Yeah, I like how you carried it out. You know, fun fact, we have a train that drives by our little radio shack maybe a hundred times when we're doing a podcast. It seems like a hundred times. Not only do... So, how is this for planning? We build this, what we call our radio mm-hmm. shack. Okay, so basically, imagine a tough shed. It's like 20 feet long and it's like 12 feet wide. So, it's a, it's enough space. It's kind of a cool... It's a boho chic gen... It's decorated modern it. it's awesome you know like it's very it's very cute too. inside yeah. but here here's the thing we built it with a railroad track like an eighth of a mile away from <laughs> us literally yes and then we're right next to a company that services railroad tracks and so they got all of these big machines all of these earth movers you know which they don't do anything with they just play around on these pieces of equipment that it make seems that way lots of noises yeah but the you know the tracks are coming like right when we're They're about to record you know that this thing's squeaking and wheeling and it's like looks like a bulldozer coming up or maybe it's one of those excavator yeah. thingies with the long arms things but man those things squeak a lot make a lot of noise yes, and here we're trying do. to hey listen people we're trying to do a podcast here <laughs> they don't care <laughs> funny fact yes we're interviewing somebody she pre-warned me uh-huh that she's right by railroad tracks. So we could possibly hear the next guest we're going to have. We could possibly hear trains when she's on. So just very cool. (laughs) It's a day of trains, hope trains. We're hawkers of hope. We're originators of optimism. We're purveyors of positivity. We are engineers of encouragement. That spells hope, hope. And that's what we do. That's right. How you doing? I am really hot today. It is hot here in Cali. I'm melting. I feel like I'm melting. Yeah. You, you call sweating fat crying. (laughs) <laughs> it's my fat crying. I've got a lot of fat crying. I right love now. sweating. I love what? it. I've always loved sweating. Why do you like sweating? Because I feel like it gets rid of all the impurities in your skin and your body. It flushes it out. The toxins, the ick. That's why I like sitting in a sauna. How many toxins and ick do you got in your body? That Everybody you need has out? a lot. Trust me. And if you don't think you have any, you do. You're grossing me out. I'm just saying. <laughs> I keep it real. <laughs> 
Get those toxins out. Drink lots of water and flush it out. Yeah. Yes. Well, I've been doing that. I've been on my fitness train, yep. my fitness regimen. I'm trying to roll into January of 2021 in the best shape of my life. I'm making efforts toward that goal. Yes, the you pandemic are. is going to be the year that I got into my best shape ever. Okay. That's what it's going to be about. Wow. 2020 so- is going to be about something positive. Why are you yelling about it? I don't know. I just get excited okay. and I feel like the volume of my words and the elevation of my tone convey that excitement. It's just you and me in here. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, don't burst my bubble. I'm not bursting your bubble. All right. You ready for funny time? Let's do funny things. Let's tell some funny jokes. <laughs> All right. Do you want to go first? You want yes. Me to? Go for it. Okay. How do you talk to giants, Jennifer? How do you talk to them? How do you talk to giants? Yeah. With a really strong, deep voice. No. Good guess, though. Close. You talk to giants by using big words. <laughs> Well, I guess I can't talk to giants then. That was what do you not mean? A, that was not appropriate for me. What do you mean? I don't have big words. I don't like big words. You don't like big words? Nah. I like big words. I don't like when people throw around big words because I'm just like, okay, you're so smart. No, I don't think that's it. See, there, there are appropriate words that are supposed to be used in appropriate situations. Yeah. Sometimes they're considered big words. You, you tell me all the time I use big words. Yes, you do use lots of big and words. And Gavin, and who's I always editing have to challenge show. you. I challenge you on your big words. So and I'm like, what does that mean? Say it in a sentence. <laughs> and how many times do I tell you what it you means? And it's almost it. verbatim to the dictionary Webster thing. I think you get like a word a day or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's hear your joke. Okay. What do you call a grumpy cow? Mad cow? Moody. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually cute. I love you know cows. why you threw me off on that one? Why? That wasn't a food joke. Moo is cow. I can eat a cow. It's not food. A cow is food. I mean, it's not like your news normal flash, food. Newsflash, hamburger is food. Hamburger comes from cow. Hamburger. Unless it's a, it's a Beyond Burger. Wow, you found some excitement and some energy with that one. Jeez Louise, you got all kinds of hand movements at me and point finger pointing. You know what else comes from your a cow? Your eyebrows raised and you were like volume of I'm words coming out. I'm about my food. You want to know what else cows well, make? Milk. That can make butter and cheese and yogurt. It's all about the food, right? Yeah. You can have steaks, You know what else they make? Sirloin, hamburgers. You know um, what else cows make? What? Drive down I-5 heading to L.A. and mm-hmm. you'll realize what else they make. That's called Cowtown. I know. And it smells. Smelly Cowtown. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I know. Well, you know, cows are good. That's that's true. Well, that was a funny joke anyway. <laughs> you know, it wasn't your normal food joke. So I understand that you can joke. eat cows, but it was not a food joke. What were you expecting? Why do carrots cry? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know, but that's an example of a, of a, you know, it's an item of food that you would use. So I was, I was getting ready for that. You threw me off with your non-food joke about cows. Well, cows are edible. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yes, you are. I think that point is very, very clear right now. So All right. I'm right then. So I've got somebody that I want you to meet. Okay. We're going to interview Pam Grout. Now, if you don't recognize the name, Mm -hmm. she has written over 20 books. 
Whoa. She is a major, major deal. She's written 20 books, and uh, she's awesome. And she's going to come on and talk about not her book writing. Mm-hmm. She's going to come on and talk about a formative event in her life that changed her life a couple of years ago and how she's used that event to then help and benefit others Mm -hmm. moving forward with her life. And uh, I think it's going to be a riveting story. I think it's going to be a really, really good story. It sounds really exciting, yeah. Well, it's exciting, but it's also what I would consider to be a lot of parents' worst nightmare kind of stories. But it, it, oh, it, it does it does have a very strong hope component yeah. to it, but I want her to share it. I well, want I'm her curious. to unveil it. I want her to tell it. Okay. And so I'm going to call Pam and get her on the line, and um, we're going to talk to her. Let's call her. All right, here we go. All right, I've got Pam Grout on the line. Pam, welcome to Hope Radio Podcast. How are you today? I am great, and I'm so glad to be here. I mean, just the name of your podcast is thrilling to me, Hope. We all need hope. So we we all do. Yes, thank you so much. I, I agree, and yes, Hope Radio Podcast. We're trying to be that beacon, that light of hope for others. And Jen and I were so excited to have you on the on the show and, and to talk about your story, talk about your life. And so thank you very much. Now, what, what part of the country are you in? Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you live, and, and where you're at. Um, I live in the heart of America, so I'm in Kansas. I'm a travel writer by profession, so I go all over the world. I mean, right now I'm not because of the pandemic, but um, so being centrally located is very good for me. We're out where we see beautiful sunsets and um, lots of open space, so that's where I live in the middle of the country. Well, thankfully, I you know sometimes the middle of the country is is the exact place you want to be. I mean, right now we're in the midst of a hurricane coming in. You got Tennessee and Texas both facing, in some parts of Louisiana, facing that onslaught of, of, of water coming in. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, usually this time of year we have, you know, there's tornado, they call us tornado country, tornado alley, but we have had like this really remarkable, um, even not as hot as it usually gets summer, which has been really good with, you know, all the wanting to be outdoors that we're all doing now, so we've been really blessed with good weather here. So, and I realize we're like in this little bubble because all around us, weather is going nuts. But anyway, yes. it's good here. Yeah, yeah, well, good. we're in California. So if you hadn't heard, we're, we're experiencing our own challenges right now. With <laughs> Yeah, whereabouts in California? My friends in La Honda have had to evacuate. So they're, you know, currently, I guess, yeah. homeless, you could say. Yeah, for sure. We're in, we're in Northern California. We're about 45 minutes outside of Lake Tahoe and about 35 minutes outside of Sacramento. So about halfway in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe and the foothills of Northern California, basically fire country. But thankfully, we are not in any imminent danger. We don't have any big fires around us locally, but all the fires from the Bay Area, all that smoke, all that stuff has been coming up our way, man. It's, some days it, it just feels like this thick layer of, yeah. of fog, but it's not. Today was the first day that we've actually seen uh, blue skies right. in probably a week. Uh-huh. It's been a long time. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad you're seeing blue skies. Well, you know, I was out there last October right about exactly where you guys are, I think. I was driving from Sacramento over to see my friends with La Honda, and I got diverted. I mean, I kind of have a little feel for what it's like because – I literally, what would have been, I can't remember, two or three hour drive, ended up being like seven hours. Oh, you know, I'd go this way and then pretty soon the helicopters would be going and they'd close that road and then I had to go to another way. And 
you know, I'm from where it's a little quieter, so, you know, driving in California is always kind of like, oh, no. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I, I have that feel of what it's like when those fires are coming right at you. So, anyway. Yeah, it's it's always this time of, of year is a nail-biting season for us. It's always like, okay, are we going to are we gonna be dealing with this? Because where we're at, we're at about 2,400-foot elevation. We live on this divide, so we've got two rivers on either side of our quote forest hill divide area and so it's just a it's a it's an area that if the fire ever broke out we we would certainly be exposed in but you know praying for all those people that are affected by the fires and certainly uh praying for people that are affected by the uh, hurricane laura right now hitting hitting texas and and louisiana Mm -hmm. so i'm just glad i'm not in that we just spoke with somebody uh that was in a hurricane category five storm talking about 180 to 200 mile an hour winds and i'm like i don't want any part of that oh, I, i'll scary. take earthquakes any day over that we don't want tornadoes either yeah. though <laughs> i i watched wizard of oz i do not want a tornado <laughs> yeah you know a couple of books that i wrote were about kansas and we were just joking about this at pickleball is how when you live in kansas we were talking about this because my friend, the pickleball friend, her name is Jolene. And, of course, you know, everybody when they, oh, Jolene. Jolene. <laughs> I, started, I started doing that in my head when you said that. That's funny. <laughs> right. So I said, well, yeah, and that's the thing. All of us here in Kansas, people are like, oh, have you seen Toto? I mean, it, it was like everything. So that's the funniest joke ever. But, you know, the truth of it is that's kind of what we're known for is Wizard of Oz. Right. And I, these books I wrote, I said, well, you know, that was portrayed in black and white in the movie, in the famous movie. It's like, no, we're not really like that. But anyway, that's where I am with Kansas. (laughs) Well, I'm happy to have you on. I know you are a New York Times bestselling author. You've written 20 plus books. Uh, The one that caught my attention and and my eye that I want to order is The Course in Miracle Experiments, a starter Mm. kit for rewiring your mind and therefore your world. I I love that title. I think that's an all-encompassing title. that, That intrigues me. You know, but I, I think the, the main reason that we wanted to have you on the, the show was to just talk about your life story, your experiences, and specifically, you know, an event that happened in uh, 2018 that I think rocked your world. I think when we, when we talk about overcoming loss or when we talk about hope or we talk about survival, we, the worst thing that you could ever imagine as a parent is, is having something happen to one of your children. So may, maybe you can just kind of frame for us what, what happened in 2018 and, and walk us through some of your story. It is certainly true. I think every person on the planet would agree, you know, that is the very top thing that you would never want to have happen. And Tasman, she was my only child. It was completely right my world. It was completely unexpected. We had just come home from my mother's funeral. Taz and I were really close. Again, I was a single mom. She was my everything. And um, we were, her birthday, it was actually one week after her 25th birthday, and we were planning to go to see the movie A Star is Born because, um, you know, we'd been down with my, you know, planning my mom's funeral, all that kind of stuff. So we had just driven home, and, you know, she went off with her friends. She has an apartment in the town where we live, and she went off with her friends. And they, you know, went and saw another friend that had a new apartment in Kansas City. And so the next day, we're going to go see this movie. And so I'm texting her. She's texting me back. And then I noticed she didn't text me back for a little while. And so I called her. I'm like, hey, you want to go to breakfast before we go to the movie? You know, blah, blah, blah. And she didn't pick it up, which isn't totally that surprising. But I'm sitting at home kind of wondering, man, this is taking a little longer. And next thing I know, there is a cop at my door saying that she was at Lawrence Memorial Hospital and they were getting ready to life flight her to Kansas City. And so she had a cerebral aneurysm. I mean, literally woke up. I mean, we're texting. She was fine. 
and then just this um, blood vessel burst in her brain. And so, of course, I was able to go in the life flight, although we, they ended up taking an ambulance because it was real windy and they couldn't, and it was about an hour away, you know, the hospital in Kansas City. So, you know, she never uh, came to again. So the thing that was so, so shocking about it is she was completely healthy. I mean, there was, you know, there was no, you know, because I just talked to somebody the other day, you know, their son just died of an aneurysm, but their son had had brain problems kind of from the beginning of his life. You know what I mean? So this was an ongoing thing that they'd worked on or that they knew about. But this was just a complete shock to me. I mean, just such a shock. So, so yeah, that's that's kind of the backstory of what happened. When I was imagining talking with you, I imagined talking about Taz, but then also to hear that you lost your mother. So you lost your mother and your daughter in a close period of time, yeah. both. That oh, I, and my father died in April. This was in October. My father died in, in uh, April. Then my mom died. You know, my parents were older. They were in their 80s. It wasn't a big shock. And I'm a person who believes a lot in the afterlife, who believes a lot in that, you know, our bodies. You know, in fact, that book you talked about, that my Course in Miracles experiment, it's all about we are not really our bodies. We are bigger than this. You know, we are this consciousness. We are this energy force bigger than these bodies. These bodies are these little temporary flesh suits that we're in, you know, for these 80 years or whatever. You know, flesh suits. I like years. that. Flesh suits. Right. So, <laughs> So that's kind of how I've always seen it. So my parents passing, while, you know, definitely a sad event and all, you know, it wasn't devastating because it was the way of things. It was the order of things. And so, but still, you know, they did both pass. I'd, I'd lived kind of what I always thought, sort of a charmed life. I mean, certainly I was a, a single parent, but I was an older single parent, so I had resources, you know. It, so I've always felt that I lived a charmed life. And so for this all to happen to me was just, and I mean, how could anybody think that you're going to live a life without any kind of pain? Because that doesn't happen. As someone pointed out to me, you know, death rate on planet Earth holding steady at 100%. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we're all going to die eventually. I mean, that is the way of it. That is the truth of it. But it doesn't happen as regularly to, you know, to lose your child. So that is not the regular way it goes. And, and I used to always say, you know, I mean, Taz was just this amazing, beautiful, brilliant. My, my joke was, that, you know, that old story, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I said, well, he had no faith in me because he gave me a perfect child. I mean, mm-hmm. she was perfect in every way. She was like the wisest person in the room. You know, no matter where you were, she was the wisest one in the room. She was just a radiant being of light. It's almost like we used to kind of joke that she was from another planet even because she was just so wise and just saw things in such a bigger perspective. Yeah, I I was very, very fortunate. And to this day, you know, talking about giving hope, when I'm in my better, I mean, it's still hard. I'm not suggesting that, oh, I'm suddenly happy. I mean, it's something you learn to carry. You don't get over losing your child. You learn to carry it. You learn to have a different kind of relationship with them. Again, I believe in the afterlife. So just like I knew, you know, Cash, she was 25. I just turned 25. And at that time, she was no longer, you know, the baby that was in the bassinet, you know, and I knew that was no longer Taz. She was no longer that first grader with that cute little, you know, flowery dress that I sent her off first grade in. She was no longer a teenager. She was you know, a thriving, beautiful adult. Well, now she's no longer that. She is a spirit. So 
So each time, you know, as you're, as we change and grow, we, we develop new kinds of relationships, you know. One of my saddest things is that, for me, as far as the physical reality of it all, is that she was, you know, 25, and we were able to have so many great conversations, you know, kind of things that you don't really have with your kid when they're five or six or whatever. And so we were, you know, developing this whole new kind of relationship then. So that, that was a real, and plus, you know, I'll never have grandkids, I'll, you know, don't get to... You know, all those kind of things. We were looking at she was getting ready to buy a house and, you know, all, all those things that you were thinking was going, that was, that's the way life was going to be and ends up not being, you know, the way you thought it was going to be. So anyway. Yeah. How did, I, I guess the question that I would have is, you know, Jen and I were parents. We've got four boys. Our oldest is 24, 22, 16. And 14, we had two real quick, backed off for six and a half years, felt like we could have two more, and so had two more, and that's the makeup of, of our family. And so, you know, I guess the, the, the question that I have relative to this, because I think every parent has put themselves in a situation where that's their, their biggest fear. I know Jen actively, I mean, like she, <laughs> she, she imagines every horrific imagining thing possible every time they walk out the door. Okay. Text me when you get here, text yes. me when you come back, yes. you know, like, right, right. Yeah. The- when she was describing the whole texting thing and it had been a minute before she had responded, like that is so me, like I, if, if, if it takes more than like a minute, I'm like, okay, wh- are you okay? I'll send another text right away. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm famous for the rapid fire text. And then finally I'm like, I'm just going to call. And then I'll like keep calling and calling and calling until they answer. And I'm like, I actually had to train them all. If I ever say, are you okay? Just say yes. And that's it. I just need to know. So she gets, she gets I, anxiety bad if, really if, she bad anxiety. If, if they, if they don't respond and yeah. she'll, she'll bring it to me and I'm like, listen, they're fine. Come on. Let's just like, they're, yeah. they're good. You know, like Sean's I'm more different than I am, but yeah. <laughs> we actually just had one of our boys started driving this week. He got his license on Monday. So I'm like terrified. He went out yesterday and was coming home at nine o'clock. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I can't even, I can't even sit still, like just waiting and not knowing. And I'm, I worry about everything she, she, <laughs> as far as the kids go. She, she definitely does. And, and, and so I guess, you know, when I think about your situation and, and think about what happened to, to Taz, I guess the, the question that I, I would have is that I, I feel like you're in a space right now, as healthy a space as you could be in, given what's happened. How did you evolve to this? What were there steps that you took to, to I mean, is this just your nature or did you, did you study how to come out of this? Did you get into a, some sort of a group or, you know, like how, how did you arrive at a, at a healthy enough place to be able to have this kind of a conversation, talk about her, talk about the loss without it being, you know, like overwhelming? Um, well, it, it definitely has been a process. Um, in some ways, I was fortunate that I had a little bit of a background in some of these near-death experiences. Like, I don't know if you've read Anita Morjani's book, Dying to Be Me. Um, she's a friend of mine. In fact, she knew Taz. And, of course, she went to the other side, and she had cancer and came back. So I'd always been kind of interested in that sort of thing. I've always believed there's a bigger picture. You know, this Course in Miracles book that I'm talking about, one of its main tenets is I am not a body. I am free. You know, I am more than my body. Sorry about that train in the background. I'm actually outside just so my partner doesn't have to sit and listen to me going on. We, we call that We call that the hope train. 
Yeah, well, I love it, or the love train, something I call yeah, it as well. <laughs> we, we have a train outside of our studio here, and it will we'll hear it every few hours. And so we're like, there's the hope train. <laughs> Choo-choo. Oh, ours is more than just uh, every two hours. This time of day, is, it's pretty frequent. This might be the second one we've had since this interview began. But anyway, I am outside at the moment, so that's why you can hear it even more. So anyway, let's see. What were, you, what were we talking about? Oh, we are just talking so about, yeah. Background. Yeah. So I had a background in that. In fact, it's really interesting. Taz said to me, you know, again, we'd just gone through this big thing with my mom's funeral. We were down there. And Taz said to me, you know, Mom, I mean, she said several interesting things to me. Um, like, Mom, you know, you're handling Mom, Grandma, you know, her grandma, death so much better than, my, you know, Aunt Becky and Uncle Bob, you know, my, my siblings. She said, you know, how are you doing this? And I said, well, Taz, you know, I know a lot about... Um, the fact that, you know, our bodies are gone, but we are still, you know, we, we're still here and we can still be in communication and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So she, she noted that, my daughter had noted that and made that comment. And she'd also, here's what the sad part of it, she'd also just said to me, Mom, when I start having kids, I want you to live near me because I want you to help me raise my kids. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, so I had a little bit of a background in that belief. So that was somewhat helpful. Um, because of my books that I've written, I have, for some reason, a lot of readers who are psychic mediums. <laughs> so, like, almost immediately people started writing me because I did do a blog post about it fairly soon after it happened. And I think it just shocked people. I mean, it just, I mean, I was known as the gratitude girl. I mean, I'm the person that, you know, gets up every morning and says, something amazingly awesome is going to happen to me today. I mean, that's kind of my MO. You know, I am, um, this person has had this magical life. I've been all over the world. I, you know, get to do all these really cool things. So I think it just was such a shock um, to my understanding of the universe. And I think my fans, you know, or my readers, I should say, um, understanding of my life and how my life has always seemed to work out so well. So it was just such a big, big shock. But I mean, some of the ways I guess I've learned, because you asked about groups, there is a group and they don't have a a local chapter here, but it's a it's a group that's on, online. It's called Helping Parents Heal. And it's one that focuses a lot about staying in touch with our kids after they pass. Like, and for me, like my house, I mean, it looks like a Taz museum. I mean, literally, I've got a candle that, that I've kept going the entire time since she's passed. And it's got all of her artwork, I mean, her bedroom. And maybe I sound like a crazy woman, but I mean, to me, this brings me comfort. To me, she's still... You know, it's, it'll be two years in October, but um, she's still such a part of my life. She's still a, such a part of every decision that I make. I mean, I, I think about her still. Now, um, I still talk to her. I still, you know, communicate with her. So, yeah, so I guess now I'm kind of the crazy woman or whatever, but that is uh, one of the ways it's helping. But it's helping parents heal. I was talking about that. They, that's their thesis is that we can stay in touch with our children. And so these are all people who they call them shining light parents, you know, so now we have angels on the other side. So it is helpful to talk to other people who have, you know, experienced similar things. So that's, I guess, a tip if, you know, people want to talk to other people. Like just yesterday, um, someone, in fact, it was Meg, the same person that set you, you guys and me up. Um, she had said, hey, a friend of hers had a friend who lost her daughter four months ago, and she's just not handling it, and would you, would I be willing to talk to her? So, you know, I I called her, and, and we had a chat. So 
it is nice to talk to others, you know, in that same same thing. And the other thing I did, and this might be, this is kind of how Meg has sort of been a little bit involved, is I started a foundation in her honor. And so I, I call it the 222 Foundation. And the backstory on that, when she was in junior high, she we got into this 222 thing. It's just kind of this funny little thing. And her, her friends would go, hey, what time is it? And, you know, it could be 548 or it could be, you know, 10 in the morning. She'd go, 222. I mean, it's just a thing. And then they go, how much does something cost? And no matter what it costs, she'd say $2.22. So her friends started calling her every afternoon at 2. You know, it's just a thing. And so that summer, she and I had gone on a couple trips. Um, we'd gone to Alaska and we got room 222. We went to London. Our hotel there in London was 222. So it became a thing that she and I always talked about, like 222. Like if I'd see a really pretty 222 somewhere, I would snap a picture and send it to her, like, you know, when she was in college. And she would do that to me. We've got many pictures of the two of us standing and pointing at a 222, like when we, <laughs> she lived in Barcelona for a while. So it was just a thing, 222. So what the foundation is, and it kind of came to me soon after she passed, I mean, I was going to India right after that because that was already set up, and I can tell you that whole story, too, which is pretty remarkable. But anyway, so um, so every year on 222, February 22nd, we give a grant, or a, 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 not a grant, a, 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 an award, some money, to a, a group that, or a person that is trying to change consciousness and, is, and believes, because Taz was super... Um, creative. She was very creative, was a real artistic person, and she was just so loving. So, um, I, you know, so I think what our, what our mission is, is that all people long to be creative and long to be expressive, that we believe all people want that way. We believe that scarcity is not even true. It's just a paradigm that we've created, and then we all buy into this idea that scarcity. So any project, I mean, people, you know, apply or whatever to, to get this grant. We've had two of them so far. Um, but anyway, so we reward projects that do believe in the generative um, uh, quality of the universe, that believe in, um, you know, that we change consciousness, we're going to change the world, that we change, you know, hope and all the things you guys are talking about. We, we, we groups that support that. Like, for example, the first year, she died in October, so 222, that's not very far away. But as I mentioned, India, I was scheduled to go to India way before any of this happened, and it was with a group called Tribes for Good. And again, um, my books have been translated into 40 languages, so I've been all over the world talking about my books. I mean, Philippines, Japan, uh, Finland, Peru, you name it. You know, I've been. In fact, Taz used to go with me on some of these, too, you know, when she wasn't, when she was home from college and, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, um, so I was scheduled to go there in November, and this is like a month later. Like, how can I possibly do this? But, you know, this they'd already bought my airline ticket and it was scheduled to go over there. So I call my best friend from college and I say, Mary, I realize this is a huge ask because it was kind of over Thanksgiving. Of course, she's got a family and, you know, her family gets together over Thanksgiving. I said, this is just a huge ask, but there's just no way I can go to India unless you go with me. Would you be willing to do that? Because she had expressed an interest in going way before any of this stuff happened. You know, the, the mission of Tribes for Good is really right up her alley, and she kind of wanted to go. And then when she found out it was Thanksgiving, she, you know, opted out. But, you know, after this giant uh, tear in the fabric of my universe, she, you know, rearranged her plans, and she went with me. But what ended up happening, this, you know, we went to, you know, we did the little thing with Tribes for Good for a week. That was in Mumbai. And then we went up to Rajasthan, and we went around all these different places, and we went to the 
Taj Mahal. Of course, it's like one of the seventh wonders of the world. And at first we thought, oh, you know, it's a cheesy tourist attraction. Do we really want to go there? Well, of course, we're going to we might as well go. So we go there, and it's, it's incredible. It's beautiful. It's a spiritual place. We get there, and we find out this monument to this um, mogul's favorite wife, her name was Taz, Mom Taz. So this is a monument to love. And, I mean, I, I, have you guys ever been there? No, no, no. We'd love to I go. Mean, it is so amazing. I mean, it is so amazing. Now, granted, there's lots and lots of people there. But anyway, we should go in there and we find out this is a monument to love and it's a monument to Taz. We go in there. Our guy who speaks Spanish, Taz is major with Spanish and anthropology. But anyway, so he speaks Spanish and Hindi and English. You know, he's given us a guy. The truth of it is that the Taj Mahal took 22 years to build and it took 20,000 workers. So there's two, two, two all again. So we ended up leaving a little bit of her ashes there at the Taj Mahal. So she's memorialized along with Mum Taz, her namesake that, you know, is there. But anyway, so we leave there. And that was just a beautiful, I mean, almost indescribable experience. But then we leave there and we go to this place outside. And this was who we ended up giving the first grant to. as a little, little cafe called Shiro's Hangout. Mm-hmm. And it's run by women in India who have been, who are victims, so to speak of acid attacks. In India, you know, these guys will still throw acid on their on their women if they didn't, you know, provide a male heir or, you know, they get mad or whatever. So they throw acid and it disfigures their face. It melts off their... I mean, it's just atrocious. You know, and these women normally go into hiding, but at Shiro's Hangout, these women have come out of hiding. They offer free coffee and tea and they make food for anybody that comes free of charge. I mean, this is like, hey, we're here... Now, the truth of it is people do give them money. I mean, oftentimes they will give them money, but they do it out of the goodness of their heart, and, and they're beautiful. I mean, they're beautiful. I mean, they, yes, they've got melted faces and all the things that can happen from acid attacks, but it's beautiful. So we went there, and I felt like I, we were guided to go there, and because I didn't have time to ask for proposals for, you know, the 222 award, we decided to give the first award to them in 222 of 2019. So they were getting ready to move to new space. So we helped facilitate the moving of the two, 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 of the uh, Shiro's Hangout to their new space. So the 222 Foundation did that. And then this last year on 222 of 20, I guess it has been 2020, yeah. So we uh, were, and I don't know what the, because of COVID, what's happening, but they were building a school in Nepal for girls. And, in fact, I was supposed to go there in um, October, but I don't think that's going to happen now because of COVID. But, anyway, so we're building a school there, a Tazgrout school. We planted a forest of 2,222 trees, you know, again, to help with global warming and Greta Thunberg to kind of help her. And then we also, the the third project that we funded this year was, um, because so many people, 100 people applied, it's like, oh, how can I decide? So I picked three. But Taz and I used to have a thing where we'd go around and we'd leave like little $5 bills places and little notes that said, the universe loves you. You are loved. You are beautiful. You know, just different things like that. We oh, would, my gosh. That's was, a great idea. I've never thought of that. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so this um, woman that was going to do a project with her kindergartners, so we sent them, I think, $2,222 or whatever so they could, you know, go around. And she's been making these really creative, like, $5 swans or your cranes or, you know, all that kind of folder stuff. She's made all these art pieces with money and notes that, you know, will encourage people. So she's been posting stuff on Instagram about all the different places she's left the money. So that was the third project that we funded. 
And then, and I'm just talking and not giving you guys any time to talk. I'm sorry if I'm, hope I'm not going in the wrong direction. No. But during the pandemic, um, my partner and I, we decided that we would um, do a, uh, a stay at home dance. <laughs> this is like early on, maybe in March or April. Jack Black had done this crazy dance. I, it cheered me up so much and I laughed so hard at it. So Jim and I decided we would try to duplicate it. So we did a little video of us doing this. I mean, so goofy. If you guys look it up, you won't believe how bad it got. You know, I mean, I have cowboy boots on and this leotard and a cowboy hat. I mean, which is like what Jack Black had done. Okay, anyway, well, how, how so do we then, find this video? That's that's that's, that's what I want to know. Now you got well, me curious. I have your email. I'll, I'll send you. I'll yeah, send, you yes. send it to me. But what we did is we offered, again, the 222 Foundation. We said, We'd already given our award, you know, on 222, but it's like, hey, the, the world needs a little hope here, as you guys point out. Mm-hmm. So we, the first 22 people that sent us a video of them doing a crazy dance, we would send $222 to their favorite charity. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. And literally, I had, you know, one from South Africa, um, uh, California, uh, Australia. So all over the world, people were doing these little stay-at-home dances, and then the first 22, we did give. And, you know, it wasn't to them. It was to their charity of mm-hmm. choice. It was interesting because a lot of the charities of choice were animal rescue places. One of them was a an emergency ambulance kind of place um, up in New York State, you know, a small town where they didn't have, you know, regular ambulance services for these volunteers. So, you know, it was a variety of, of things. But anyway, so it was kind of nice. So we funded, you know, 22 projects during the pandemic. And so we can just, this is kind of me doing it and Taz from the other side, we can just kind of pick choose when we want to do it. But I mean, every year on 222, we will definitely, um, you know, continue to do this, uh, Have- this, Bring under a ward or whatever. So, mm-hmm. and I will stop now so you guys can. I'm sorry, no. I'm just going. Blah, blah, blah. No, I've kind of known I, for that sometimes. The, the story, the stories are awesome. I, yes. you know, I love the perspective, and I love, I love the two, 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 and the, the two, two, two reminded me. Our our son Gavin sees number patterns all the time, so he shows us three, 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 four, 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 five, five, five. We're, we're always commenting when. When we see four 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 or five five five, I I have a uh, race car that I take to the the track, an old BMW, and I put on the side of it four four four. So we're big deal, you know. We're into, you know, sequence of numbers. They're as angel a, numbers. Yeah, they're 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 awesome angel numbers. We yeah. that we, we we love that. I guess the question that that I had relative to the whole experience is, I, I really feel like you've you've honored your daughter by these initiatives that you've created. And you talk about, you know, because you've written the books, you, you do have some some friends or some uh, people that you know that are either mediums or psychics or, or whatever. And I think that, that there is a lot to that. I think that the spirit world is definitely there. I think that you can sense and feel people. I think that you can, you can get messages that way. And so, you know, when you talk about kind of how you've been able to process the loss of, of Taz and kind of move forward. I do think when you are in a space where you recognize that, that the, you, somebody just got rid of the flesh skin, you know, the skin suit that they had on, but, you know, the essence of them, they're still there. And, and when you can connect with them or hear from them or sense them or feel them, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily feel like the same type of a loss as, you know, somebody that maybe isn't spirit-filled or maybe isn't faithful. Right. Well, here's a story. I'm actually uh, currently working on a little card deck, a different way to do death. Again, to give hope to people that, um, you know, there is a bigger picture that someday, I mean, you know, eternity, I will be with Taz in eternity. Mm -hmm. 
right now, I mean, how much longer do I have on this little limited physical plane? I mean, who knows? But anyway, you know, someday eternity. So it's a, it's a different way to look at it. But anyway, so that's kind of the idea behind this little card deck. So there's 52 cards, and it talks about little stories to help. But one of the ones I just wrote up to kind of give it to my editor as an example, um, Julia Roberts was once asked by um, an interviewer, she said, oh, do you regret that you never, you know, were able to have a, an adult relationship with your father? Her father, Walter, died when she was 10 years old. Um, she said, are you kidding me? He's with me all the time. <laughs> so just those kind of notions, and there's a lot of stories like that. And so this little card deck is just p- reminding people that there is a bigger picture. There is more going on than we can imagine. And that's what my books have all been about. You know, we need to rewrite this paradigm that um, the world is scarce, you know, that, that abundance isn't the state of the universe. I mean, that is the truth about the universe. And so now, and little did I know that I was going to do this, or did I really ask to do this that I'm aware of, is that I'm going to help change the paradigm of death, which is it true, is it true that we are nothing but these physical bodies and that we really die? Is that true? You know, if you don't believe in death, it gives you a lot more options, <laughs> certainly. But um, so anyway, that's kind of a, a project that I'm just starting to work on. Yeah, um, right you, there. I and love that. I think that's a way to do death. Well, I think that's a very intriguing. And, and I guess the question that I would have and, and probably some of our listeners would have is, you know, in what ways have you felt Taz around you? Like in what ways have you felt connected to her since her passing? Well, here's one little story that's kind of fun. Um, she and I, we, I mean, again, I was her only parent. She was my only child. I mean, we were really close. I don't know if you ever saw Gilmore Girls, but we were like those. I mean, <laughs> yes. we were just super, super close. I mean, that was us. So what, we had all these different things that we would do. But one of them was, and this, I think, started me. I don't remember when, grade school, junior high, whatever. We had a little thing, and whoever would say to the other one first, hedgehog, would say they'd have a lucky month. So on May 1st, June 1st, you know, that was our little tradition. So when she went off to college, of course, you know how college kids stay up late. So, you know, at 12.01, she'd text me, hedgehog, you know, <laughs> I'd probably be sleeping. And then when she went overseas, you know, after she graduated, she lived in Barcelona. Of course, it's seven, eight hours ahead there, so she'd always win the hedgehog thing. So that was the thing we always did. <laughs> That's so so starting, and this didn't happen right away. So she died in October, but on April of 2019, this hedgehog came to me mm. in a very unique way. From that time on, every first of the month, I get a hedgehog. <gasps> From, I believe, like here's one example. I was doing an interview, much like we're doing right now, with a woman in Maine. And she said, Pam, you are never going to believe this. Out in her backyard, there was a hedgehog. It was on May 1st of this year, of 2020. And she said, there has never been a hedgehog in my backyard. This is not something that's ever happened. But out in her backyard, there was a hedgehog. Another time on another first of the month, a friend of mine's uh, grandbaby was having a one-year-old birthday. So I go into the toy store and I go, hey, what's the latest um, toys for one-year-olds? You know, I mean, my daughter was way beyond that at that point. So... Anyway, um, she goes, here, I'll, I'll show you something. She takes me over. It was a stacking hedgehog toy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, so it's, I mean, one day I go to the mailbox, and there's a hedgehog book, a book of hedgehogs in my mailbox on the first of the month. So it's just been a wide variety of different ways that she will bring these hedgehogs to me on the first month. Like one time I was flying back from uh, California, 
and I was doing a crossword puzzle on, you know, the first of the month. And one of the clues was something, you know, Sonic Hedgehog. It was like mm. something to do with Sonic Hedgehog. So it's kind of weird, obscure ways. One time it came from her old telephone number. Whoa. It said Hedgehog, I presume. And it just came to me Whoa. from her telephone number. So, you know, those kind of signs. And I mean, I could go on and on. There have been wow. other signs like that. But more than that, it's just this idea of feeling her presence around me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, but, but those little signs, I mean, that's the kind of thing that a lot of people, because even my books that I write about, they're about, you know, you are loved by the universe. There is so much more than you know. I mean, these are kind of some themes. And so I ask people to look for signs. You know, are we loved? Are we taken care of? Are we being blessed? So anyway, it's kind of, um, you know, the signs are just something fun that people like. But it's, it's bigger than that. It's more just feeling her presence, you know, in every act, every thought, every, you know. Yeah. Or, and the other thing is people go, oh, well, you're delusional. Well, it's possible. You know, I'm willing <laughs> to admit that it could be possible. However, it is so much more hopeful. I feel so much better believing this. So whether yeah. it's true or not almost is beside the point. It's like I often say, you know, you don't go into a department store, pick out the ugliest outfit and carry it to the counter. I mean, who does that? <laughs> or who goes into a restaurant? Oh, this is a dish I hate the most and then orders that. But look what we do in our thinking, in the thoughts that we let occupy our headspace. We pick out the ugliest, um, least happy-provoking thoughts that are out there. And that's what we let, you know, come into our consciousness. So um, whether or not my... You know, whether or not I'm delusional, I mean, maybe I am, and and uh, people can certainly think that if they want. But it just makes me feel better to believe these things, and I personally believe them with the from the bottom of my heart. I've had too much proof. And yeah, that's what every fiber of your being. All about is proof. Yeah, and right. It, and Jen, Jen and I think I, I think can connect to that. I mean, when you when you get confirmation, when you when your spirit knows, your spirit knows, and I and I believe fully in that, and and. To me, like whatever way you can process and and move on with your life and and still feel hope and joy and love and you know, like I sense that about you. I mean, you lost your only child, which is the most devastating thing any parent could ever imagine, and yet you still are active. I can sense that you you have joy and happiness mm-hmm. and faith and hope and you know, all, all the stuff that you would hope to have after going through what you've gone through. So whatever way you process that, and I certainly don't think you're crazy at all. And, uh, I, I think that you are an example of, of what I hope somebody that's listening that may have gone through a loss, like you've gone through how they handle that or how they move through it or how they think about it. I, I think that that's, I think what you're doing is awesome. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. It, it, it's the only way. You know, that Course in Miracles, we keep talking about that. Like maybe I'm trying to plug myself. I don't think so. But <laughs> in the beginning of that book, it says, for Taz, I could never live without you, so I don't. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the dedication of the book. I mean, every book I've written, I mean, she's the one that got me writing books. I mean, I don't know. There's probably some bigger picture going on. But I do want to say, before anybody gets the wrong idea that I'm some goofy, happy person, there have been days after this happened that I literally could not get out of bed. So it's not like I've just been, oh, yay, life is great. It's not like that at all. It's, no, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't expect that. It's to me. And, I, and, and <laughs> no, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not trying to communicate that in, in any regard. And, and I think the assumption is that 
that you would have those those bad days, those devastating days, those days where you just want to curl up in a ball and, and be a, in a fetal position and, and, and not see any part of the world. But I, I do think that you know what you're an example of is is somebody that has moved through that and and it may touch you but it's not it's not enveloping you it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not causing you to stifle the rest of your life and and live muted and or less than you would have and and I think that that's the hope part of it I think that that's the hope piece is that you're inspiring to somebody that might listen that that you can still find even after that kind of a loss a, a place in your life where you can move forward and, and and still experience what I consider to be some of the best of life right but I don't want to give the impression I mean there have been times I thought oh you know wh- why go on I mean I've had those thoughts so yeah I, I don't want to come across like, oh, yeah, seriously, it, it is not an easy thing. It is not a, um, you know, flipping over kind of thing. In fact, I, maybe I've already said this, but, you know, you don't get over this. You learn how to deal with it. You learn how to carry it, mm-hmm. this thing that happened. You learn how to carry it. So that's basically what I'm doing, what I um, – and, again, so many people know Taz now because, again, I've ha- I have, like, thousands of readers all over the country, all over the world. And I mean, every day, well, not every day now, but at least three times a week, someone will send me a picture of 222. Mm-hmm. Hey, I just got a sign from Taz. So I feel like not only am I in touch with Taz, but I feel like Taz is um, communicating with other people around the world and, and um, you know, giving people hope with that 222. So, I mean, people will send me a license plate that says Taz or so, I mean, literally, I'm constantly getting these things from people. So a lot of people have been touched by Taz. I mean, not just in her inner circle. I mean, her friends, you know, have all gotten tattoos. I mean, I've got a tattoo now with a hedgehog, actually. And all of her friends on her birthday last year, they all got tattoos. I mean, so anyway, she she made a huge impact on many people that she knew. But now she's making an impact on people she doesn't even know or, you know, that know of her and know of me and my work. So. That's beautiful, yeah. and I and I think I think that's awesome, and I think that that's something to instill hope in others too. Is that you do recognize that, and that's that's your part of of the the process of moving on and dealing with what happened. And I think that that's a that's that's awesome. I'm glad you have a, a network of people that can feel comfortable enough to do that with you and send you those signs and those messages. And I do believe that, uh, you know, she is out there communicating with folks and with you. I just find it, there's no way on the first of every month, this whole hedgehog thing that you guys had done. And like, it keeps happening. Like I like, there's something to that. Someone would say it's happenstance or, 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 you know, it's just random, but I, I don't believe that. I believe that, um, you know, God works in mysterious ways. I think the spirit world is, is active. And I think that that's an example of how you're receiving it. Yeah, I mean, one or two months, yeah, maybe it could be coincidence, but 15 times now, maybe yeah. long. I mean, it's, yeah, so I mean, yeah, and, and without fail, every month, once it started, it didn't, I mean, and, and who knows, I would believe that she probably was sending them to me right away, but I think maybe I was in such grief I didn't see them, so, you know, it took a while before I actually could see them, but once I did, then then I see them all the time, which again is one of the things I talk about is that we animate into our life whatever we put our attention upon. So if we put our attention upon doom and gloom and scarcity and limits, that's what we're going to get. If we put our attention upon, um, you know, a bigger picture, a higher reality, that's what we're going to animate into our life. So 
um, you know, that might be the crux of, you know, what I talk about in my book. Yeah. Well said. Thank you so much, Pam. I mean, your, your story has been awesome. What you've shared has been awesome. You have given us hope. You've lifted us up. And uh, I just really, really appreciate your perspective. I think your perspective is refreshing and, and I think it's hope filling. And I certainly hope that anybody that's listened to the podcast um, feels that, senses that, and maybe it helps somebody else move forward with their life in that way. And you know, Jen's right now showing me pictures of uh, of your Instagram and your daughter. So she's she's beautiful, and I know she's with you every single day. So thank you so much for your time and, and for your truth and your vulnerability. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you. All right, Jen, what did you think about our interview with Pam? That was a hard one for me to listen to. I mean, I love talking to Pam, but just her story is, like you said in the beginning like my worst nightmare. Yeah, I know. I know you worry about that. And I, I know every parent does. I think whenever you think about the possibility that you you could have children that pass before you mm-hmm. do, I think that that's every parent's worst nightmare. Of course. But, you know, here's here's the thing. We can't control if that's going to happen or not. Yeah. But how what we can control is how we respond to it. And you could respond to it by going to a bottle. You mm-hmm. could respond to it by completely shutting down and withdrawing from all your friends, family, emotions. You could go respond to it by rising up and doing what she's doing. And, and that's creating a foundation in, in response to that, something mm-hmm. that benefits others, something that would be a positive out of that negative situation. And I think anytime somebody can rise above the circumstance and use that experience to benefit others, I applaud that. I I, I think that's courageous. I think that that's the, that's trying to extract the maximum possible good out of a, of a really horrible situation. Yeah. She seems like she's doing really well, you know, as well. Yeah. Um, I love that she is so positive. Yeah. And that's not to say even she had said that there have been days where she just, you know, couldn't get out of bed. And, oh, I know. There's, you know, it's just like, so it's normal to not have those feelings of like just happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. Yeah. And to have your moments of grieving. I'm, and, I'm sure it was excruciating. And I, despite I where she's at is. now. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think it is. And and the reality of it is, is even though you can, you can sense joy and, and happiness in somebody, right. it's, it's. Like she said, it's not something you ever get over. You just, you just, you make it through and then right. you carry it differently. Like it's, you learn to carry it's it. It's always there. But I, I do think that one of the lessons that could be drawn from this is that she is very, very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so she, she does feel Taz is with her every single day. And I, and I love that. I love the stories that she yeah. shared. You, you know, groundhog, <laughs> hedgehog, you know, hedgehog, hedgehog, uh, hedgehog and two, two, two. Yeah. How crazy is that? I know. She said 15 months on the first, there's been... Every single first, there's been hedgehog something... Hedgehog sightings. How can... That, how, that's just not... That's God. Happenstance. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's you not, and I both know chance. that's God. Yeah, I agree. Some people will say, well, coincidence, but no. Yeah, I, 15 in, in months. In my heart of heart, I know that's where... It's coming from God. Yeah, I'd like to know what the statistics are. Or Taz. Are. Taz is sending him down. <laughs> Little angel. Yeah, you know... Just for for non-believers, I would love to know what the statistics are, though, of how, how, what is the chance or probability that some occurrence of a hedgehog would come on the first of every month following the passage or the passing of her daughter? Like, the, take being struck by lightning and multiply mm-hmm. times 15, I would think. Like, yeah. it's just, it's just one of those things. It's a, it's a very, uh, I think it's very comforting. For her, it's been comforting. 
right? She she senses, she feels. She it's not lost, yeah. you know. And I and I love that. But uh, great story, Pam. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. The two 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 foundation, giving back to others, and I love that supporting she leaves them. like that. She leaves secret five dollar bills places. I know. As soon as she said I that, I want to do that. That's inspiring to me. Like <laughs> how know. cool would that be? Like imagine somebody's face when they come across a five dollar bill. It says, you know, yeah. God loves you. Hey, you're you can make it through anything. And here's a little, yeah, you know, that's like a little bit of hope. It's kind of like the person in front of you paying for your coffee. That yeah. feeling. Like yeah, you're yeah. just like, oh, like even though it's a little cup of coffee, you just feel so excited and yeah. happy. So if you can put joy in somebody's on somebody's face and make them happy, hey, if the five dollar bill can do that, do it. Do it. I yes. say do it. Yes. Yeah. All right. So uh Jen, how do people connect with us if they want to direct message or get in touch with us directly? Maybe they have a story of their own to share about hope, or maybe they know of somebody that has a hope story. So how would somebody connect with us if they wanted to? You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast. You can message us right there and we will respond within an hour. Yes. Yeah. And this is Hope Radio Podcast. So we want the message of hope to be spread. So if you know of anybody that would benefit from hearing a message like this, please share it. You know, just take it, click it, click those three buttons, share it. However you're listening to it, there's got to be an option to share it. Send it via text to somebody, send it via email to somebody, and let's expand the hope network here. Yeah, spread the hope. Another way we can spread the hope? Yes. Let's do another show. We shall do it. Shall we do one more? I think so. I think we should because like I feel good when we do these. I feel uplifted. I feel like, you know what? I can handle what's going on in life right now. Yeah. You know what? What? I'm going to show up tomorrow. Are you? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. Here's a preview of our Hope Radio podcast, episode number 74. You had no idea that this freight train was heading your direction. None. I didn't know anyone that had been diagnosed. No one in my family had been diagnosed. Nothing. It's like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the C word, we were talking about the C word. And it was like, oh, my goodness, you know, this 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 could be real. And so I ended up having a, a I had to get a biopsy done the same day. And when the when the person that did the biopsy got the sample and put it in the in the fluid that they put it in the solution, he looked at me and he said, ma'am, I can tell you now it is cancer. We just don't know how bad. 